but I I got to this point of not being fooled that if modern culture as we know it comes to an end and collapses, which it will, and probably will take humanity with it, but if it doesn't take humanity with it and it collapses, there's no assurance that a culture more awakened will come out of it. There is no assurance of that, that it could be a total, another patriarchal culture, capitalist patriarchal empire that comes right after. And to think that because modern culture is collapsing, is, that something else will emerge is fooling ourselves. Mm. And, and so we are here to create the path to make the way that other people can follow into next culture, into a culture of adults, into a culture of responsibility and responsibility for our own bullshit and our own way of gossiping and manipulating and controlling and deceiving and taking revenge. And, and, and that takes taking responsibility for uh, what we would call our underworld or our shadow world, or our, which is just an, our consciousness. I'm Dean Walker, and welcome to the Poetry of Predicament podcast, a podcast for people brave enough to face humanity's challenges and problems, and most importantly, our numerous predicaments. The Poetry of Predicament is a podcast meant to inspire us to bring forth grace, beauty, and connection with the web of life in the face of a predicament-laden world. How do we increase our skill and capacity to generate real change in the face of a collapsing world? Let's talk with Clinton Callahan and, and Chloe Destremont. Um, well, I'm, I'm really, really pleased to be talking with you both and happy that we're doing this. And um, if I may, I'd like to start out by telling you, I, I have a little bit of an agenda and I wanna make sure it works for you both because really a lot shifted for me in, in a great direction that things were going anyway when I came to be with you in Mallorca. And they've continued to go in that direction. So I'd like to just tell you about that direction, if that's okay. Wonderful. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm really doing this work because uh, I had my woke moment about it's really about seven years ago now, but it especially got deep in about five years ago, and I started to write the book, and that was deeper still. And what I'm clear about, given what I've researched and come up with in my own reality, is um, we're really beyond uh, fixing things or saving things or somehow finding workable ways to gently transition to all renewable energy and then everything will be fine and everything will work out and we can just move on and change the channel and so on. And uh, so what I'm offering is, is the tools that I find most valuable, I'm, I'm relaying to people who I work with in, in my practice and that includes uh, really a whole spectrum of, of tools and practices and distinctions that some of them are for people who are brand new to the whole topic and have almost no capacity whatsoever to, to really grok the severity of what's going on. And that, that continuum, that 
gradation goes obviously to people who know far more, have far more capacity, actually had the capacity to start generating new possibilities, hence you're here. And I think you can probably guess as I'm laying this out why I'm wanting so much to have you both here talking about your work. And the, the continuum goes up to the level of people being uh, not only having the capacity to, to hear and grapple with the truth of what's going on, but again, as I mentioned, the, the generation of, of other possibilities, of other ways of being, no matter what the future is holding, no matter what the timeline might be, which I don't pretend to know what the timeline is, all I can say about it is that it keeps getting shorter. That much seems very, very clear to me. And there's a preciousness I feel it too. There's a preciousness that in having you both here and uh, having you both represent uh, a body of work that I uh, really appreciate being able to deepen recently in my own experience. <clears throat> uh, because what I've known having been in similar threads of methodologies and distinctions and transformational work for a long time I know that um, it's very, very rare for a person to have any real scale at, excuse me, any change at scale without diving deep, without doing some really rigorous and really deep work because the systems, the, the water that we all swim in and call normal the, that same system, that business as usual human operating system has got us so immersed in trying to validate and continue and to continue to grow in the infinite growth on a finite planet kind of way, grow. And by default, if we aren't doing that kind of deep work, we to continue to push in that same direction, trying to make it work and make it, you know, that uh, if we just do the right amount of changing to solar panels or windmills, that everything will be okay. When in fact, we've got layer upon layer of impossibility in that track. So I'm, I'm very excited for you both to be here. And, and really, I'm hoping that you will uh, both share your personal experience of this work as I might be able to share a little bit as well. But also uh, really from what you see, given the level of engagement that you're in and sharing this work with others and growing it, which I, I'm uh, so proud and, and um, honoring of you both and all the trainers and all the folks who are taking it on this work uh, taking it on in such a sincere way. Um, I guess, you know, when this goes out and, and uh, folks are watching it, you know, they've been hearing me say this for a while. They've been saying, they've been hearing me say that I'm really shifting to the next level of um, focus in these podcasts and in the rest of my work 
and uh, really going to be leaning on these various methodologies of which possibility management is one. And I'm, I'm particularly aiming this kind of conversation toward the folks that are, that are, they call themselves doomers. They're the people who are basically um, clear that we've gone past every possible off-ramp that would have been easier or possible. And they, you know, what breaks my heart is that there's just as much shadow and there's just as much of the dark, unexplored um, residue that any of us carry. But um, these folks who are doomers, I guess there's this mythology that once we've had our woke moment that we won't be carrying that shadow anymore that somehow we're going to be good with each other and we're going to have hearts mm -hmm. open in the face of massive stressors and so on. So um, I'm, I'm wanting to have this conversation and to relay it to them probably more than anyone because it just breaks my heart when there's this uh, backbiting and gossip and, and uh, just sniping and death by a thousand cuts from each other, from people who are just inches away from each other on that continuum of being sincerely wanting to make a difference in the world. So thank you both for sitting through this long introduction. I appreciate you just <laughs> being with me while I let you know what I was hoping to, to focus on in this conversation. I hope this works for you as a track. I am open to changing but I'm hoping that it works for you as a track. And um, so uh, after this long introduction, uh, Anne-Chloe Destremont and Clinton Callahan of Possibility Management, welcome, a warm, warm welcome. Yeah, yeah thank you very much for having us. Would you like to start? I was 39 years old before I had my first feeling. And so I'm trying to say it's not too late for people who are not young chickens anymore to learn radically new self-experience, self-exploration, self-expression skills. Neither is it too early when, when you hear the message or get the inspiration to go ahead and take the deep dives. When, when you're in a, a space, when you're in a, and when you're accompanied with clarity and possibility that it's not just a wild, you know, journey into the wild and, and eat the wrong plant and die from, from ignorance sort of journey. There's, there's thousands and thousands of paths right now where this huge necessity that we're experiencing from every, every bit of information we get about the direness of our circumstances, our self-made circumstances, every bit of that necessity is, is usable for encouraging the risk, encouraging the commitment to discovering what's really going on inside of me, even 
and or your you know everybody's in yourself even when it's not going to be a pretty sight because because the the amount of the amount of stuff that we've not been educated about through the news or the education system of modern culture is so vast and so rich with resources and possibilities that the only thing that's really stopping us from engaging this stuff is being being ignorant about what we're ignorant about and and we are designed human beings are designed for the deep dive we are designed starting 18 years old you know starting then we're designed to radically transform our our self-experience and our ability to relate and collaborate in a a way that can only be described as as archetypal like we have this possibility of engaging each other in in more than human um, elegance and kindness and generosity and compassion and um, empathy. We're, we are related, we're designed for this. We are designed for this. We have the nervous system, the perceptions, and, and all we've been trained to do is block and suppress and divert ourselves from from these huge, huge um, um, open doorways through which we could go. And, and it is not gonna be a mass shift into uh, new practices for creating community, creating collaboration, creating communication. It will not be a mass shift because it happens one step at a time, one person at a time. And so the hearing what I just said, hearing that possibility is, is um, um, the possibility of this video, for example, being seen by hundreds or thousands of people could be an invitation to this doorway for each of them. So that, you know, using the medium of the, these video messages is fantastic for just the idea, what do you mean? What do you mean I don't already know everything there is to know because I have graduated from high school or I have a bachelor's degree or a master's degree or God forbid you, you spent all those years and dollars trying to get a doctor's degree or two, you know, and you know, by God, I should know everything there is to know. But if you took the universe and put it out in front of you, of all of the possible things there are to know and, and outlined, you know, diagrammed on that map, the amount that we already know, it would be negligible. It would be a tiny little box in the corner, almost invisible. And to imprison ourselves in that tiny little box of the known or what I know, as if it was reality or what was possible, is a crime. It's really a self-deception of the magnitude of, of uh, Google. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Clinton, if I could just pause you for a moment. You've said something there that, you know, the, the quantity of knowledge and so on, I, I get that. And what I experience in virtually all the methodologies that I'm putting into this imaginary toolkit 
um, in, in this body of work, I, um, I noticed that all of them have a central focus or fixation for the deployment of our attention, and it is not toward our brain. It is not toward the linear or how much we know or the quantitative and so on. It's always through the body and through as, um, as immediate an experience as, as possible, as, as close to um, the, the immediacy of direct presence as possible. And that that is so much more, well, it's, it's not only immensely faster than anything our brain would like to imagine it can do, but it's also so holographic. It's so much more dimensional and more natural than the impressive, but insufficient mental world that we're so fixated on. I'm wondering, and Chloe, is there, you know, we've, we've been both of us going for a while, Clinton and I, and I know that you are, out of uh, the recent times that I got to spend with you and Clinton in Mallorca and, and meet you, I know that you, uh, you have an immense amount to say you have an immense amount of relevant experience and remarkable perspective of your own. And I'm kind of tired of hearing the two white guys talk. <laughs> so I'm, I'm wondering if you could add anything, or if you've been sparked to share anything in any direction. Yeah, I think it would, it would be like taking a few step backs and just sort of starting with your, your first introduction and your first question about there was a few I mean you put out a lot of hooks but one of them was about um this 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 feeling of doom and I think there's this category that you would call doomers and but also even young people would who wouldn't call themselves doomers would call themselves depressed or, or at loss or, or and, and that would sort of go in the same direction and and when you were talking about that, I realized how lucky I was that I, my survival strategy is, is to, was to live in this sort of pink bubble where everything was going well. And that was, and I went through, through high school and college and law school. And, and even after that, I went traveling and, and there was still this, well, I have time or I have, I can learn or I'm young or, and, and, and then I met the work of possibility management. And, and even then it was, as you say, it's, it was this door into something else than my mind. And I got to learn how to navigate my four feelings, my anger, my fear, my sadness, my joy, and, 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 and navigate my anger, but about my present moment, you know, about my parents and about my education or about, or, or my fear about, okay, what am I going to do in the future? Or my sadness of having lost connection. And it was very much still um, experiencing those, my, my multidimensionality multi around me. And then this summer, I got to have sort of a break of 
a lot of transformation and hit that wall what you would call this this awakening moment about reality i hit the wall of reality which was which is climate change today the wall of reality is is climate change and the reality of well i don't i don't have time like nobody has time and 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 me being 27 years old or, or or even people who are 50 years old today or the babies who are born today's we don't have time and and at the same time so i was i i had this collapse my my bubble of illusion collapsed and at the same time i was i say I was, i'm lucky because i got to figure out what i what i'm here to do before the collapse before my awakening moment so i got i i got to when i went through enough initiation to discover who i am or what i am and my 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 power of the feminine i discovered that I i'm a wizard and I'm, i discovered that i'm here to upgrade human thoughtware and i'm here as an agent of transformation and all of that i discovered before i hit reality and and i think my my, my i don't know my suspicion or my assumption is that doomers are people who 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 hit that reality without going through their initiation first. And so they don't know what they are. They don't know who they are and they don't know what they have to provide to society. And, and all, of, all of a sudden their future is, is gone. And it's like, okay, how, how is that even possible that now I don't have the time to discover who I am? And that, and that I would totally assume that it creates uh, that experience of doom mm -hmm. and, and so to those to those people i would say okay you got you got a big chunk like hitting reality is such a gift it's such a gift because it's like you say you 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 realize how the preciousness of of the moment of the second of um of the now the preciousness of that now and it's like great now what to do about it and and then it comes the question of okay how do i get to know what to do about it well in 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 our experience going through those initiation you get to discover what you are what what the source what source are you connected to and and, and that also brings back to this multi-dimensionality of it, you're not just a, a you know white woman 27 years old i don't consider myself like that anymore because i know what i'm jacked into yeah yeah you know if i could just interrupt for a moment i'd love to mm -hmm. hear you continue but i'd i'd love to add this flavor and just see what it what it sparks you to to speak about um possibility management isn't the only methodology to um to use the phrase liquid state, but you, you know, it's certainly used a lot and it's absolutely appropriate in every usage that I've been exposed to with y'all. And, you know, to me, there's a, a it's a shorthand for um, any number of experiences that have us lean 
into something that our culture has up till now had us avoid at all cost. It's the ultimate in uncertainty. It's that the very fabric of who I think I am and what I think the world is starts to dissolve. So there's, you know, talk about a, a, a blank slate in which new possibilities can show up. That's, mm -hmm. that's the good news. Mm -hmm. I'd, I'd also like to ask you if, if you would just speak as you, you were to these people of all ages, but especially the young people these days who um, have by default, given their lack of initiation, which I think you know is better than I do actually, that you know the vast majority of adults on the planet are adults in age only. There is no initiation for adulthood or elderhood and so on. But in any case, all of us have, have been ingrained and trained with this fear of uncertainty, this fear of, that we must hold on to what is known. And it is, it is with, from that, that uh, death grip mm -hmm. that we try and fumble our way forward and find what, what needs to be fixed or what do I need to do. And I'm particularly uh, inspired by my many conversations uh, and particularly with younger people who have been ingrained and entrained for a lot less uh, time than the, the older of us in that holding on. They, there seems to be an easier transition to leaning into a liquid state, like this is a desired state. If I could, especially if I can do that with kindred spirits, with people who <laughs> know some of these distinctions can, can generate a, a clean and powerful space in which something can happen, well, then we have some real possibility. So I've just said a number of things. I didn't mean to stop you. I just wanted to ask us particularly yeah. with that one element uh, which I think I would call it a membrane of resistance that our culture has toward therapy, toward authentic change, toward really considering um, deep relatedness with one another and with the earth and so on. Mm -hmm. um, I'm curious if you could say anything about um, shifting ourselves to leaning into that which we've been trained for so long to avoid. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I get to travel a lot. I, it's, it's, my, it's my luck sort of to get to travel a lot. And, and every country I go to, if we are in the car, I, in the morning or in the afternoon, I, I see children with backpacks. And every time, every time I see children with backpack, I'm shocked. I have this like <gasps> this this fear and this anger and this sadness about children are still going to school. Generation of children today, like I see five, six, seven, but also 12, 13, 15, 16 years old, they're still going to school. And it's okay, how is that not a crime? You know, how is that not a a, a, sh a, a shock or or 
disbelief from people that that still exists because and, and I say that, and I was not a rebel in school. I was a type A student. I was the perfect uh, girl. I, I was, I did two bachelors. I have a bachelor in economics and a bachelor in law that I did at the same time. I, I have a master in law. I mean, well, I graduated from La Sorbonne, which is the best university in, in, in Europe. And then I went to Columbia Law School in New York. And so I, I say that with, um, with a new clarity. I don't say that coming from I hated school because I, I loved it because I was good at memorizing. But that was about it. That was what school teaches us to know and to give the right answer. And I was good at that. Great. Well, that doesn't make me a human being. That doesn't make me a human being. That makes me a machine that is able to repeat what, what the teacher wants to hear. And and, and how did I shift it from that? I mean, for me was, I went, I went on a two year long journey around the world. That was after law school. And I worked for three, three months on a, in a law firm. And the second day of when I got this job, I, I walked in the office and I'm like, I, I have to quit this job. I, is this, if this is gonna be my life, I, I, I'd better kill myself right now. And so I did my three months to, to, to just uh, save, save up money and then bought a, a plane ticket across the planet. And that was my the, the start of my two year long journey. And, and afterwards now I can look back on it and it was a two year healing journey from that I need to know and somebody needs to tell me what to do. Because I think there's both of those things. There's a knowing part is, and somebody else will tell me what to do to solve the problem. And then I think there's this huge, another wall that, that young people hit when they start working, or at least it happened to me, is that nobody has a clue about what they're doing. Nobody has a clue what they're doing. And it's like, and waking up to this whole lie. And it, it really took me two years to, to heal from, I need to know what I'm doing and I need to, or to, or somebody else needs to know what I should do. And then after that, I think I, I, I was ready to, to, as you say, lean into, okay, if I don't know who I am and I don't know what, what comes next, um, then, then, then what's next, you know, what, what, what happens? And then I was ready for initiation. And so there's this, for me, there's this ambivalence and I'm still very much researching. And if, if young people are, are listening, um, to reach out because there's this part of us young people who are, we are very flexible, you know, compared to people who've been crystallized in, in, in patterns of behavior from, you know, decades of, of using those patterns, you know, 18, 19, 20, basically up to 25, we still very malleable and we basically perfect. It's the perfect time for initiation because we have this, um, there's this fire burning in us. We are ready for initiation and it's basically sort of an archetypal force coming through us to that are ready for change and transformation in this shift from childhood to adulthood. And at the same time, we, if we didn't have this time of healing between school and initiation, the, the leap is very big. The leap is sort of too big. And so I, we've discovered that 
there needs to be a healing time be between school to exit school and then to enter into initiation. And that, but that would, you know, if there are centers where, who, who, who would specialize themselves in hosting uh, kids after high school for two years in terms of healing, doing technopreneuria phobia healing. So uh, like, um, how do you say, like making bows and arrow, learn how to make fires, uh, survival instinct, like going in the jungle, doing vision quests, like on and on and on. There's a lot of um, healing uh, processes to go through to exit school and to prepare ourselves for initiation. And, and to prepare ourselves for that for that liquid state and being to to have this gap between oh it's okay not to know, and for the shift to not be so so big yeah 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 thank you for that um, what a remarkable uh, particularly educational history you have I've you know I have a, a small fragment of that to look back on. And I've always wondered how do people function at such a high level as you were just describing that you went through in your advanced education. That's, thank you. Mm -hmm. um, Clinton, I'm, I, I have a question for you that um, I, I think you would use different words to describe it, but uh, what I've been discovering as, as I put together this toolkit I keep talking about that um, there are so few of the externally referent uh, tools and senses um, that we are often equipped with in our world that we use to engage with the world. There are very few of those uh, tools that seem useful in this more advanced work, this more in-depth work that I consider possibility management to be a part of. And the jargon I would, I've started to use uh, from a different, whole different track, but it seemed to fit was uh, there's implicit senses and implicit uh, memory and so on that uh, kind of the ultimate in internally referent living and experience and it seems like that's what you're pointing at you know I'll, I'll put a link to the name of your book and um and of course to possibility management in the in the show notes there's uh you really lay out a a, a tremendous methodology that again it has a huge amount to do with somatics with the embodied um and direct bodily experience to really lead the growing that you're inviting people to do. I'm wondering if you, um, if you're sparked to say anything about these times and what our most powerful resources are or can be. You used the word, was it inherent perception? What did you say? Uh, implicit in, uh, versus explicit. The, I think the most powerful tool that we can use for this work is a small group of people that meets regularly in a specific context called radical responsibility. 
I call it a possibility team. We've been everywhere we go, we start up possibility teams. We've already have one here in Brazil and people are so much looking forward to coming back to the next one. It's every week we have these possibility teams. And I know that you work with these small groups of people who come together every week. See, the point is our inherent perceptions feel accurate because they're often confirmed by an associated emotion that gets triggered along with our story about what we're perceiving. It is so easy to fool ourselves. It is so easy to believe our own bullshit. As subtle and clever as the bullshit is, it is so easy to assume that our assumption is true because we're smart people. Why else would we make such an assumption if it were not true? And as soon as you move, if you assume your assumption is true, you're in the domain of having an expectation. And then when an expectation is not fulfilled, it creates resentment and it cuts off connection. And it's such a machine to keep us isolated from some, some source of accurate feedback. So this small group of people is like a life ring. It really is. It's in this ocean of self-deception, a life ring of, hey, buddy, you know, the story you have about yourself, whether you're greater than you think you are or worse than you think you are, here's, here's what a team of intelligent, loving friends have perceived you as. You know, you could actually, what, what has saved my life over and over, literally, has me relying on other people's trust of me more than my trust of myself. Like their, their accurate perception of me and their feedback and their clarity about me more than my own clarity about myself. And this is so goes against the grain of the American independent, you know, I'm the lone wolf single fighter, entrepreneur, you know, is gonna become a billionaire, blah, blah stories that are marketed in the world. It goes so much against that to actually become a tribe again that has greater intelligence far more than the single individual. And so this whole, um, this whole possibility of like, let me make another distinction. So in our, in our possibility management, we make a number of distinctions that are usually not made in modern culture. One of these distinctions is a, is a difference between our psychological defense strategy and our essential being. And so it's, it's kind of the difference between our personality and our essence. And without experiencing that distinction, not as a concept, you know, not as a idea or a model, but as an experiential reality moment to moment, you won't notice who's talking. You won't notice who's, who's making up the stories. You won't notice what the purpose is behind the emotion or the story that you've, you've got running inside yourself. You won't notice the difference. And so, but when you make the distinction between your psychological box, we call it like a prison, like this, this 
It's like an eggshell or a cocoon. You know, we're, we're supposed to have it until we're 18 years old. And then at 18, 19, 20, we're supposed to be cracked out of it through these adulthood initiatory processes. And we were not. And so we're like, we're these bunched up, we're crammed inside. It's no wonder people wrap themselves in dynamite and blow themselves up or, you know, all these weird things people are doing now. Um, because there was a, such a pressure inside of this defense strategy that we're not supposed to be in after our being has gotten a certain size. So one of the biggest tools to distinguish the, the, the difference between your psychology and your being, we call it your box and your being, one of the biggest tools is that team, is your little team that you meet with every week. Because in that team, after a few weeks, you start trusting these people to show up, to listen, to take risks and share, to be vulnerable in ways that you cannot. And then you go, God, I, I want to be that way. I want to try it. I want to try it. Because, you know, afterwards, I mean, it feels scary as hell. It's like that first step off of a high dive, you know? It's like, ah, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to die. And it, and yet, and then when you splash in the water and, and you join, you know, the floating, you know, the ones who can float or swim, you know, it's like that. It's like, oh my God, I don't have to be isolated and scared and tight and far away and behind this mask and isolated and scared and surviving and pretending like everything's fine. I don't have to do this. I can actually connect and share. And the, the tool that, really helps with building up, we call it the matrix, building up the matrix to have the confidence, to have the self-trust, the wisdom, to go ahead and trust your team is, it's about what you said, being present. How do you, how do you become present? So we, we made a website we're working on um, that will have 99 experiments for you to do to become more present. And nobody can do these experiments for you. So, so if you don't do them, they don't happen. And on the other hand, nobody can stop you from doing these experiments to build up your capacity to be actually present. And, and in the presence, the, this, this distinction between your psychological defense strategy and your essential self becomes so stark. It's such a difference of purpose and a difference of orientation and a difference of context, a difference of per perception is so stark that you got, you start being able to let go of the mechanical nature of just surviving, uh, you know, and yeah. So these are a couple of things that are really crucial. And I, I just want to add something because, because we've, I've heard that story weirdly in the past two weeks, two times with Hi there. Hi. I'll start. Hi. I'll start again. So where where I lost you was you were just starting to talk about uh, in the past week or so you've had two instances of yes two so two people told us yes we have a we have a group we meet every week and what we do every week is we talk about other people's work. It's a transdisciplinary group. So what did this person say? And we read a text or a website or we watch a video and discuss. and discuss it. 
and and then one of the one of the men he's in Australia and he he did that and at some point he said well well what about your ideas what do you want what do you have to share what are your experiments what are your needs to explore your multi-dimensionality and people looked at each other and said oh yeah like I I have ideas that I want to share like I've worked and I've digested and and and, and, and I have things to say, and they, then they started to another level of, okay, what do we want to experiment instead of talking about other people's work? So for the, for the people listening, you could, you, it's, it's, very, it's very much about your necessity. Like bringing like, well, I, I don't know how to, to, I don't know how to communicate with my child that I, I can't listen to really what, who he is. And that, that makes me, that creates pain. It makes me sad. How, please tell me how can I communicate with my child better? And then the eight people around the circle, they will have a lot of possibility for you. And, and that's really what the team is about. So I just wanted to share that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Thank you. And I'm, I'm glad we reconnected after this uh, little brief internet, whatever. <clears throat> um, I wanted to just for a moment recap, uh, Clinton, what you were saying before. Uh, you you had a, a a really important combination answer to my um, my question, and you know about resources. What 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 are some of the really strong resources available to us as human beings that that really give a shit at this time and really want to move forward? What are some of the things? And, and you gave them the answer you did. And I particularly appreciate you speaking. I, I heard it really as two sides of the same coin. One was that we have this possibility of getting together with kindred spirits, people who have a certain amount of um, clarity about certain distinctions, uh, ways of being together, ways of processing with one another, and that if we are blessed with being able to be with a, a cluster of people like that on a regular basis, um, that may, be, may indeed be one of the most powerful tools that we have for growing in our life. Because we, we uh, have the uh, possibility of others who have a trained seeing to be able to see where we can't see. By definition, we just can't see our own blind spots. So I heard you mentioning that one. And then there was also the distinction of, of being able to see uh, and experience ourselves as something other than the enculturated kind of, uh, well, oftentimes in, in uh, possibility management, it's called the box, this structure that we've created and we've been kind of shoved into and, and then further, further built out in, um, even into adulthood. And to be able to see that we are not that and that to be able to see and experience that there is an essence that we can access if first we can just know just come to terms with that we are indeed in this box and so i just wanted to recap that it's it sounds so simple as i'm just recapping it now it's like oh yeah well okay but so many of the most potent distinctions come down to being quite simple 
but the structures in which we are encased in the business as usual world, it doesn't matter how simple or how true they are, they don't get much of a chance to, to get in and, and actually sink into our system as a direct experience. So I just wanted to thank you for that. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm so, uh, I'm just not at all surprised that you two are creating you know, possibility groups down there in, in uh, you're all, you know, you've been there for a while in, in Brazil and you move around quite a bit. And it's just no surprise at all to me that you're in constant formulation of new groups and new possibilities. And uh, mm -hmm. so I, I'd like to just stop and, and wonder, you know, uh, we're getting toward, yeah, maybe mm -hmm. the last 15 minutes or so of our time together. Can you and hear I, me? I, I can, can you? hear you. Yeah, I want to say something. Okay. So I want to I want to add on to what you just recapped. Yeah. And emphasize. Darn it! I you've just frozen up again for a moment here. Needs. Can you still hear me? I just when you said could can you still hear me, is when your voice came back. Okay. You've been gone for. Right. Oh, wow. It's clear we're talking about heavy duty stuff. It's the electronics is having problem, problems handling the wavelengths that we're generating here. Let me say yeah. this. So this shift from your self-reference being a, a psychological creature with um, who has the, the psychological needs that are, can be easily manipulated and marketed by corporate advertising. And it leaves us in a desperate um, survival drive for safety, recognition, uh, inclusion, um, um, some kind of um, almost childlike uh, intimacy lack, like a lack of cuddly, you know, if we could only get enough cuddles, we'll be able to, you know, feel okay about ourselves. There's so many groups around who are doing this cuddle stuff and this sexual exchange stuff in a, in a desperate maneuver to try to um, try to be fulfilled. You know, the shift from the psychological in uninitiated reference frame to a reference frame of being is is powerful enough to subjugate civilization. It takes down modern culture because you leave it behind. Because once you find that your being is directly connected to Gaia, it's directly connected to the plants and animals and the living earth itself. It's directly connected into each being you walk by, animal, you know, human, insect and and the and the information like the, the flow of love and 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 support and connection between beings is is rich and diverse and it it replaces television it replaces little telephone game you know stacking little game things to try to stack the things in the right place it's like it replaces all of this stuff in a in in um, def, 
indefeatable way. It's like it's a, it's like there's no there's no there's no chance for once you have a taste of this for civilizations wares, you know, all the alcohol, all the cigarettes, all the cool telephones, all the cool watches, all the cool, you know, advertising, blah, blah. Like none of that can touch the experiences that come over and over endlessly of the, the, the nurturing, the, the intelligent adult presence of being in the planet earth and there's nothing can touch that and so it's revolutionary it is it is so revolutionary and people need to just hear hey it feels very weird to switch over because you know your parents won't do it you know and maybe even your brothers and sisters won't do it and maybe your colleagues at work even won't do it but that, or your partner even at the same time this is these are painful things to to take the chance but when you when you do that your heart has no reason not to start radiating it full force and 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 be generous and kind with everybody around you and then all of a sudden the 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 purpose of the stress that got you to the point of being able to internally you know make this shift and recognize the authentic the authentic experience of presence of being interchanging or interacting or connecting with other beings like that whatever whatever it took to get there was worth it you know whatever whatever it took to become an adult man or woman who has access to the archetypal spaces and to be adult present and connect with other adults and actually help other adults become adults and become born into the world of adulthood in archetypal worlds. Like this is, this is, uh, this is uh, ecstatic in five bodies. And so this is, um, it, it, that's where to focus. You know, that's where to go with all this. So, so the whole thing of exactly what Anne Chloe said, this thing of discovering the the wall of the climate collapse climate emergency you know climate desperately getting crushed by reality um to, to discover that before you've jacked into resources such as your own experience of your being your ability to consciously feel your ability to distinguish between feelings and emotions, your ability to, to go through emotional healing processes and step into parts of adulthood, the ability to help other people through these step-by-step -step healing things. It only takes a, a while, months or a couple of years, you know, you go through these and you're in a whole new world. Like it's, it's, worth, it's worth the risk taking to do that because you just turn around and help the person behind you. That's all. You just, and it doesn't, you're not going to help everybody, but you can definitely help the person right behind you and just go, hey, come on, here's how you do, because the person in front of you is helping you. And it's this huge, the tribe is back, you know, the whole, the whole community is back, the village is back. And this is where we can, we replace the laughable, painful, heart-rending dependency on an external authority that's gone insane with with psychopathic leadership, non-leadership, you know, leadership into the hell worlds mm -hmm. as fast as possible. Like that whole thing, it can just be, you can just step out of it. And more and more people are doing it, like you said, and this, these key ingredients of the weekly group and 
the kind of the exercises of noticing your noticing yourself, noticing what it is like to be present, and being able to speak from presence and feel from presence and and listen from presence. God, this is this is this is the the joy. This is really the effervescence of being alive. And so that's where that's where we're going with this. I mean, that's what this is about. Yeah. Um, we we are in the last segment of our time together. And um, first, I'd like to just ask us to just be for a moment in what you just said. We started out our time together talking about a preciousness. And then you've just kind of recapped for us some of the ways in which and the distinctions with which possibility management creates environments where people can realize this level of presence and preciousness. And so I, I'd just like to ask for a few moments of, of silence to be together in that, because I'm, because <clears throat> I'm present to it and I would like to share it with the folks who are watching. And then I'd like to ask Anne Chloe if there's something that you would like to share to kind of um, gently close this this uh, conversation space. So uh, let's just take a few moments, a couple of breaths, and uh, and Chloe, with whatever you'd like to open back up with, please do. Yeah, I think you you also started this this conversation with. Um, some reflection of some people being in this reality, like being around you in your circles because of the reality of climate change and because you share the same pain or clarity or, and there are still, um, you're talking about gossiping and backstabbing and, and, and creating this, this little wars, maybe between context, between work, between, uh, different act activists or or else and and I was faced with that a, a few weeks ago in, in Mallorca and what really came to me is it's like if the work whatever called the work that we're doing on this planet human beings are doing different work that would be the the, the, con the evolution of consciousness on planet earth if this work that we we're getting at doesn't make us more vulnerable with each other that doesn't make us more connected it doesn't make us more uh, empathic or compassionate um or or clear that we're all in this together then we're not doing the work and that was very a big realization that um That, we're, that, you know, there is what we would call cultural creatives or edge workers or riff walkers that are walking on this edge of this modern culture, banging on the door of saying, okay, what's next? What else is possible? Can, is there another possibility for human beings? What does it mean really to be human beings? And modern culture, the answer is, well, you're a number in an economic system to make money and profit for a few, a, a few hundred people. And that, 
that's the answer to modern culture of what it means to be a human being. And, and there's a bunch of cultural creative that would, would be, you know, now we're up to like 300 million cultural creative being known as something else. The, the depth of human soul is, is, is bigger than just our mind or our capacity to, to produce things. And, but I, I got to this point of not being fooled that if modern culture as we know it comes to an end and collapses, which it will, and probably will take humanity with it, but if it doesn't take humanity with it and it collapses, there's no assurance that a culture more awakened will come out of it. There is no assurance of that, that it could be a total, another patriarchal culture, capitalist patriarchal empire that comes right after. And to think that because modern culture is collapsing, is, that something else will emerge is fooling ourselves. Mm. And, and so we are here to create the path to make the way that other people can follow into next culture, into a culture of adults, into a culture of responsibility and responsibility for our own bullshit and our own way of gossiping and manipulating and controlling and deceiving and taking revenge. And, and, and that takes taking responsibility for our, what we would call our underworld or our shadow world, or our, which is just our, our consciousness. And that this unconsciousness never goes away. Like it's always at work. It's always a possibility to fall into that. And it's not because we become more aware that this disappears. It's just, it becomes more of a choice. We, we, we get the choice. Okay, am I gonna gossip? Or am I gonna create value by exchanging, creating critical connection so as for next culture to emerge? And to really have that choice before making the gesture but and 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 so whatever clarity we we think we have if we still destroying connection or destroying um our, our, our like connection or, or the possibility of intimacy or the possibility of value or if we destroying that then we're still creating patriarchy and, and that's what that's a major point for me that it like a, a more evolved culture after homo sapiens the, the knowing human is not a given is really not a given and we all have to do our part to to do the work to do the experiment to have, to be in self-observation to have this dis distinction between our box our survival strategy and our essence and to and to have that choice every time and to and to make whatever choice we want but in consciousness yeah yeah thank you yeah you know i'm i'm uh i'm i'm so appreciative of being able to have this conversation with you both today and in light of what you were just saying and chloe i i'd like to just um i was blessed by a, a good buddy of mine knows that i'm very fond of uh a now way too common Einstein quote that goes something like, we need a new way of thinking uh, to solve the problems uh, different than the one, the way of thinking that got us into them. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I've uh, actually bumped into what, the, what his, the closest thing he actually said to that. And uh, I'd like to just read it. 
we need to let people know that a new type of thinking is essential if mankind is to survive and move toward higher levels. So obviously, you know, his, his way of, of um, summarizing the human experience is in, is in the word thinking. I think we can all, you know, expand that out into the levels of being and presence and so on that we've been talking about. And I uh, really want, just want to thank you both and acknowledge you both and, and really, again, out to all the other trainers and, and enthusiastic participants mm -hmm. in possibility management, wherever they are, wherever we are, that uh, this, uh, this work is clear to me that, that it is so very potent and needed. This caliber of work in particular is needed to rattle us out of the yet other meme that I happen to read on my phone while I'm driving about Einstein saying some, we need some new way of thinking. Oh yeah, 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 another of the thousands of things that I just consume digitally every day. But to really bring it into my experience of this moment and experience of what's possible and how on earth could I possibly generate? How could I presume to reach to some new level of being, or as Einstein said, thinking, how could I possibly reach forward into something new, really new, like what you were just articulating, and Chloe? So I want to acknowledge the two of you for holding kind of the senior flame in possibility management and for particularly for the distinction that takes me personally out of that that swirl of all content all the time swirling and and drowning in it and instead being able to with radical responsibility answer that question for myself what will it take to generate a new possibility and sometimes it's fucking hard work. And sometimes it's the most joyous connection with my deeper self, with other people and with earth mm -hmm. that I could ever imagine. So I think we're, we're closing up our, our time here. Clinton, it looked like you wanted to say something to, to finish up. Yeah, this question of how, <clears throat> I'd like to add a hint about it. And it's a, a rephrasing of a, of a saying from Buckminster Fuller that's also been overused in a certain way, but we've, we've added a new distinction that he did not have. And the distinction is about game worlds, about how each of our interactions is framed up in some kind of a game world that's an arbitrary construct that we agree on. And then the interactions are clear, the rules of engagements are clear. And so the, the way about how it really helps to understand this, that you, you don't change things by fighting the existing game worlds. You change things by building new game worlds that make the existing game worlds irrelevant. Irrelevant. And because he, he, Buckminster Fuller used the word, what was it? it was a, obsolete. Obsolete. Yeah. Buckminster.
Hi. Uh, okay. Okay. I'll, I'll say it. Okay. Can I just say it? Sure. Okay. So where did you, where did you stop? Where did you last year? Uh, you, you were just, you had just said that, um, Buckminster's Fuller, Buckminster Fuller's word was obsolete. That was the one he used. And then you were going to go on. <laughs> I, we, have to, we have to end this interview before the whole, like, property just explodes. <laughs> <laughs> I know. All right, listen. The experience of standing on something that you thought was relevant when it suddenly becomes irrelevant is the experience of flying. And human beings are designed to fly. So what we're talking about is flying lessons. And what could be better than that? <laughs> Drop it up. <laughs> All right, let's, let's wrap this up again. Thank you both so much for uh, spending time, and I look forward to my next opportunity to be with you. I wish you all the best in this glorious place where you are, meeting with all those wonderful people in that exotic location. I'm envious as can be. Have a wonderful time. Okay. Yeah, all right, you. thanks, Steve. We will. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for watching another episode of the poetry of predicament podcast produced by dean walker and the living resilience alliance www.livingresilience.net also available on our website www.livingresilience.net is a wide array of articles, online learning series, arranging group and individual resilience coaching, and sign up for our every other Tuesday free support group that we call Safe Circle Calls.